Hey guys, welcome to the 13th episode of Kekat. I'm your host and storyteller Kerav Shah. In this episode, I'm joined by Mihir Kulkarni. Professionally, Mihir is a blockchain consultant at EY and that is Ernst and Young based out of New York City. Uh, Mihir is also a good friend of mine. He has also been one of my early advisor per se for my first company back in 2014. He's someone whose opinion I really really admire and respect when it comes to finance, entrepreneurship, fintech. Uh in this episode we have talked about pretty much everything from personal finance, fintech, blockchain, digital currency to innovation, economy, globalization, corporate culture and life in US. Uh so hope you like it. I think I have to say that was one of the points that like escalation I really love and this is Kekat 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 those who are listening I guess I met you uh back in 2015 16 right we i guess there was some we just started a college magazine thinking a college startup and i remember hetel ma'am who was our one of the mentor in entrepreneurship she told her, okay why don't you guys meet me here and you came and actually gave a talk on i guess blockchain uh and i was one of the council member and i guess that was our first conversation and then i guess a couple of a year back or couple of years back we met again in new york city in savarna bhavan what you can say a south indian food restaurant uh eating yeah, it, was, yeah. it was it was december it was december right december or jan i guess it was december it was december it was the it was the wee time of december with with all all new york shining in its gold exactly exactly so yeah how how has been since then i mean specifically like uh, what has changed when it comes to you know united states or your now we have joined i guess you are working at ey right right now uh, as a senior Correct. consultant uh, so how how has life changed so far since our last conversation well um, uh, i i would say a lot of things um, first of all um, obviously it's um, and i'm sure a lot of lot of them who are listening would relate to this your life changes a lot uh, and it's really about the small things it's not about the bigger things um like when you're a student um, um you know with all those student debts and you're living uh, an indian student life here uh, you know getting to know the people around you and and doing those small things from there i think once you start once you embark on a career and uh, you know if by god's fortune you are doing something that you absolutely love um you will find yourself cherishing the small joys as well as the bigger ones uh the small could be i i remember when i was in duke i had pledged that uh, you know i will put everything on on student debt that i won't take any single penny from my family i i completely wanted to do a wholesome adventure so i remember uh, i remember doing things like i used to do a internship uh, at duke at duke law and that used to earn me some some meager stipends and i had to literally manage you know uh, end to end uh, one paycheck to other uh, i remember doing things like uh, let's not buy grapes this week let's buy it next week because bananas are cheaper so from there <laughs> definitely having you know starting a corporate life uh, being in that in that decent place those are those are the small joys that you start enjoying and that's i think how you transition from a student life to to a early young career professional 
um on the bigger things on the bigger front obviously uh, a lot of things have have changed for the good um i i work with uh, ey with with the blockchain group um i operate as uh, a drive um, sales operation in north america um pretty pretty exciting role we are doing a lot of things that that can be considered as the inception of of a new technology uh, wave front um so lot of lot of exciting things happening Yeah I mean great I I am I'm going to speak about that in detail actually the blockchain part but you know you have worked I guess in India also right for EY as well and for Correct. years uh, and before that I guess Barclays right so how ba- was the- I was about to work for Barclays EY ended up taking that spot but but yes I see so yeah I mean what is the difference I mean I am the person who directly came here I mean states right I mean I directly started working here this is my first job so I've heard from my friends was yeah. like you know working in Mumbai you come back home at like 9 p.m you leave early so how's what's the difference between the work life balance I would say and you know basically I would say work between you you working because you work for the same company right so it would be a better question for you you know to have a two table example of what 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 is the basic difference between working in india so um i'll, I'll start by maybe uh, naming a big misconception that uh, that people feel exists between um uh, the, like corporate india and corporate america um it's not at all the case that um, you know in india you work like you start working i used to i like in eva my workers in india uh were pretty crazy uh used to start at 8 um god knows when it used to end uh, maybe 8 9 10 at times 11 12 um but to frankly tell you i think um i think there are two types of uh you know work cultures that exist in corporate one where you don't enjoy what you're doing and which is why the art feels wrong one where you absolutely enjoy what you're doing and so even if your colleagues might be working lesser hours you might find yourself working more um, because you absolutely enjoy what you're doing and you're just you know into that workaholic rigor now one thing that i'll state very clearly is there is a perception in india in, in the minds of many that us has absolute work life balance and uh, you know things are absolutely great here that's not the case like i i completely call that out every time i have someone was reaching out from linkedin uh, you know on how to pursue a career here absolutely not the case um corporate america is equal if not more brutal uh um, is it just consulting is it just consulting that how's the big not really website? not really not really i would say uh, i would say consulting well consulting is is definitely better than than other professions on wall street and and uh, pardon me i'm 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 referring to a very new york mindset here but um, uh, very much better than wall street you you'll find wall street craziness even at the next level um tech yes tech um, has um, a bit of stable lifestyle but that too depends on what role you're doing um if you are in the in the traditional software development tracks um you might be blessed with lesser hours and and with the perks of everything obviously all of this like all of this context is is heavily changing because of because of the pandemic and how it has affected our work life these days everybody is just working more um um uh, but that that's a different story but it's it's not the case now corporate america i feel um differs in some cases is very very significantly from what what happens usually in india 
i think uh, the the first thing i'd say is hierarchies exist in both places mm-hmm. um an expected um, respect for hierarchy exists in both places however uh, in the us um, and especially uh, if you consider top tier cities and and corporate america within these top tier cities like boston chicago sf new york you know likes of those yeah. um you will never be you will never be shunned to reflect your opinion you'll be allowed to reflect your opinion and then someone might say you know what you're completely full of shit but you'll at least be allowed to speak there is never this there's never this uh, you know uh, restriction to speak out just because somebody is um, higher than you in terms of their designation or higher than you in terms of their experience that's never the case and i think i i personally find that very welcoming um because i would want to reflect an opinion it's fine if i am wrong i mean you can't anyway if you are a 24 you can't be expected to be right exactly i mean if, if anybody is expecting that they're wrong yeah there is a time when one should be allowed to speak actually because the more you Correct. speak the more you realize right but yeah Correct. i think that's one um, second i would say i think the west uh, and america is a beautiful example of this is the west is very open to innovation within like uh, you know what they call being intrapreneurs um i think that concept is very very prominent here um if you want to take an initiative people will be mostly supportive of it um obviously the first company to company uh, not not every place is the same uh, but at least what i what i've experienced with eva is if you want to take an initiative go 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 ahead do what you have to do um that's that's the general attitude um it's not uh, obviously i mean uh, corporate things exist in both places um but uh, but the the attitude towards innovation even the the attitude enterprises show towards innovation is i think very radical uh, like you might see some of the most biggest enterprises you know a large enterprise like a fortune 500 is generally very resistant to change uh, you can't institute and not just technology take any change for example be it organizational be it people workforce you can't really institute big changes within a fortune 500 very easily but what you'll find in the west is um, a lot of these these decisions here people have a mindset of of towards innovation they would think of taking the bold step they would think of uh, you know foregoing um, your short term rois uh, to do something greater in the longer term yeah it's also like more of like a survival instinct back in india right because i guess it's also to, i was just speaking to one of my friend in the last episode and he said the place also matters you know if you are if you are working somewhere in let's say a prime location like new york city or mm-hmm. san francisco right because everyone around you or anywhere you go people are talking about change people are talking about innovation people are talking about five years you know moving ahead in the line so that also influences to some right. extent your company culture uh, but but yeah you said you said it right exactly that but is it risky i guess to undergo a change management for a big company back in india and here because i would not say it's a cutthroat competition when it comes to india like a, a good company i would not say a big mnc in india but a good company who has been in business from like past 7 8 years compared to a company who has been a business here in states the ability to take you know risk the ability to the flexibility i would say to be to be present mm-hmm. here is more you know 
it's more compared to back in india because you never know what happens back in india if you make a one wrong step and then complete it goes complete haywire so do you feel that is it is it that um uh, yeah i i would say that that is there but but i think what might be important here is is to quickly examine what are the causes that that might underlie this sort of a behavior i mean the west has an innovation mindset and i'm calling out that difference but there's a reason why that is and my personal opinion to that is that it it is really about what kind of lives the people here in the west live versus what kind of lives do people in india live um and and I'll, i'll give you a very short example i'll be really brief about this you know there's the macro aspect of it and then the, there's the micro aspect of it if you talk at a macro level in in the past 20 years the west has seen an enormous if you take out the financial crisis in the middle or even take the past decade the west has seen an ex- extraordinary expansion of a bull market right um and since ronald reagan the entire policy in the west has been you know you enable people's lives by access to cheaper credit um that in turn fueled the growth of the dollar and then all all other economies thinking that us is 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 the greatest economy ever alive and the greenback is so powerful um capital just kept on flowing in over the years so which is why companies here or enterprises here have access to to good type of workflows to good type of working capitals um there's there's a lot of systemic maturity in 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 the financial space to allow you to do things of those sort like you you might find it in many examples right you might find financial instruments here you know forget about enterprises if you look at yourself personally in your 401k there are so many options yeah. through which you can invest you find you won't find any of those options back in india because those markets don't exist that's the first piece the, the second piece i think is the working culture and again the underpinning factor to that is how do you treat humans i think the expectation of one person or one human treating another human in the states is far 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 more than what it is in india and some people vehemently disagree to it uh, but this is to say one of my vehement opinions because here if you are in your mid 30s and if you have a 5 year old kid and if you want to take that guy out to fishing you'll be like i'm taking a day off even if a project is ongoing even if an engagement is ongoing even if you have an important meeting tomorrow you would come out and say that i need a day off i promised my son to take him fishing and today is his birthday so bye bye in india that approach would never work i think and and that's the third you know third difference i'll call out is because all of these things really really impact your innovation mindset you know innovation and people don't sometimes people overlook this thing it's not really about if you look at the really innovative companies uh, the the driving factors for for those innovations come out of two to three places one of the biggest things is the people in that organization uh, like obviously there is access to technology like uh, you know your your intellectual property stuff um, access to capital but most important is people if you don't enable those kind of which is why in the us it's it's easier to enable an innovation culture than it is in india i mean it it is a it is a complete process i would say it it is a inclusive process which includes people which includes resources and everything and that leads to the final output what we see as innovation but but i get it i mean i, I what you mentioned exactly like i i just experienced it because every time i discuss a topic like this you know when you compare purchase power between the two countries or work lifestyle between two countries or as you mentioned you know, if you want to take a day off you know the willingness to ask a company that okay i'm going to take a day off because i promised my son you know 
uh, it mm-hmm. boils down to population <laughs> every every question which i which i have when it comes to india okay why is this particular country not working like this particular country we all we have everything we have resources we have people everything it boils down to one single question that is population but th- that is my that is what i wanted to know from you also right that is it possible to do in india like for example if you have a if you want a day off you know i want to take a day off because i've worked so much so obviously it takes time for a company to embrace those kind of questions from their employees but there are people out there who don't have jobs in india you know there are people out there who are like okay who are ready to replace you are ready to work more hours so has a so it it's a it's basically a decision of the employer of the company's culture values that that one needs to make okay what i prefer more you know so what do you think about that what what, what do you think is a core underlying problem when it comes to india is it is it the population or is it something like we need to have some kind of a culture set that people are free to ask whether they want to take a day off whether any reason any personal reason doesn't matter uh you know i i wouldn't attribute um the problem just as of our population um uh, i think i think the problem exists in multiple facets and i think a lot of it like this is my personal examination all personal opinions on this i think you know a lot of this also has to be attributed to the fact that we were colonized for 150 years hmm. um ancestrally or or as an entire population we don't know what the concept of personal space means <laughs> and we are somehow um we are somehow foreign to the concept of saying uh you know this is what i exactly want or rather identify that this is what i would want in the first place again i'll give you a short example you went to college in india the same college where i went did you go and tour college campuses Uh, or did your father take you to tour college campuses before you applied for your engineering degree yes so you're saying you didn't i mean it, not not every college <laughs> just like couple, two of them when you go for applying for it ed- that that's it two of them two of them yeah and definitely before giving your you know the the wildly dreaded you know je or or neat or or you know stuff like that you definitely didn't go and check out for my campus that do i want to be here Yes, yeah, we can say that. Okay. Then then you are one of the differentiators. I'll tell you personally what I've I've seen with multiple of my friends and then this is something that that we used to contemplate highly at you. Um we never our our parents never took us to to you know a tour of 10 colleges and then we thought okay do I want to do engineering would I want to be in this place for 4 years you know that uh, I see here. Yeah. We were never we were never taught you have the power to make the decision the the mindset that gets driven and and this is you know by the way i have a, i have a lot of friends in russia in in azerbaijan uh, in china a lot of places in the east this is something that i've seen uh, all of these people are are people i met at duke uh, this is a trait that exists mostly in eastern countries that you're you're not made to think of that hey you have that choice you have the choice to say you know do i want to be here or do i don't want to be here in india if you if you want to be an engineer the obvious first target is iit you are never taught as a kid to contemplate that hey uh, what is the actual success chance 
and do I instead of going to an IIT, should I write my SATs and then possibly go abroad? There are a lot of people who do go abroad, but that that's the wealthier class within exactly. India. I mean, it's it's uh, a it's a socially in, socially induced decision. I would say it's an eliminate eliminating decision. I would say if, if, I, if I look if I look back myself like three years, I guess five years down the line more like two thousand fourteen, two thousand thirteen, early on. I never made a decision about engineering that okay, you know what? I want to do this engineering. What my you know decision making was like what I don't want to do. <laughs> you see that it, it's a it's a very very right. Uh, yeah, I I I I see that decision. I mean, I I asked myself like it was a dumb way of making a decision. Like why would you do something, select something by eliminating those things which you don't want to do? <laughs> that is so. That sounds so. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could say that. I, I mean, look, even if even if you didn't have that, there is a significant possibility that you would never, uh, you know, really find what you actually want to do. But but nevertheless, but exploring are, also, think, right? But I didn't explore also. That's what I was not sure about. That it was not even like okay, let me try a couple of things which were available to me, or let me at least know. Right. But we didn't we know are, also. We are not say. taught. I wasn't aware also. We I are not taught. Exactly. From Borivali to I would say Andheri, where we are living in Mumbai, I see almost ninety percent right. of people do either CA, either pursuing a medical line, either pursuing engineering. That's it. I mean, that was my you know palette of colors. I mean, I have to choose a color from these particular options. So I would say it's right. also about exploration. I mean, we didn't explore much, but I, yeah. You know, so so one is overpopulation, and and definitely population creeps. It like a lot of these problems exist with our because of population. But I think the other one thing that I think we as the Indian mass, and and I'm talking the entire population of India, if I'm allowed to, we critically have failed as an entire population in just one thing. That is, I think, erasing the colonial mindset that has set and creeped into us. um you know in india if if a guy goes and tells his father that hey i don't want to do engineering i want to do geology the the first obvious question will be like okay what are your job prospects and how much are you actually going to get paid um and people these days i mean you say it out loud or you don't say it out loud it's a true fact that in many of the families these biases still do exist contrary to the us where where you know and and it is often frowned upon especially indian parents say that you know us doesn't have a culture uh, i vehemently disagree to that but here if if a guy says that hey i want to do geology the same guy might pair it up later with computer science in his life and that's how a google maps gets created in the first place that's how you incept an idea i think what has not happened in india over the past past uh, past 100 years past 75 years since our independence so we haven't learned how to innovate to start with and many people again might say that you know india still has so many startups but if you really look at the indian startup scene you would see that many of them many of the ideas are are adaptations and implementations or manifestations of what has already been a, a, a cultural thing in the west yeah we don't have anything unique of ours and but at the same time you would think that there are too many problems in india to solve that we can solve through our own innovative way yeah i'll give you a short example and i don't know i do i'm not keeping keeping a track of time but but no, 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 just go know, ahead it's, it's a, just go ahead we we don't uh, we don't if you look in india right now in in india you we proudly say that we are the uh, we are the largest agricultural exporters we are an agricultural economy we export so many agricultural dairy you know all all, all those kind of stuff 
right now the indian government does not have any technology to clearly comment that right now in real time as of now how much of wheat does actually exist in india and for a country that that over the past over the past 100 years is completely dependent on an agrarian uh, agrarian economy and and i say 100 you know uh, pardon me the past 30 years of it but still agricultural yeah. agriculture is a big component of what we do rather probably probably one of the largest components and we have so many mouths to feed this is it is disastrous if you can't if you don't have a full end to end visibility on what your stockpile is there are many technologies that can solve this problem many blockchain might be just one of them but there are many technologies that can solve this problem but you would see hardly any innovation that has happened in in this area yeah and a curious mind would think a company that that create or or a nation that creates something like flipkart a nation that creates a, a place like bangalore which has so many uh, 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 you know uh, startups per se why would you not see any innovation on this front i think the the reason is we've always been great at chasing things we've always been great at implementing things but i think as a population we have never been great at innovating stuff in the first place to solve problems that are that are of our own the people who actually do that don't have the same amount of access to to that kind of capital these days you'll see a lot of them like there, there's a lot of public uh, health there's a lot of hygiene sanitization um, work that is going on and many people like us are literally stepping and get, getting their hands dirty with this rolling up their feet but that's also but, you, know, you you have to be in that particular space also like india if you see it's a very wide spectrum of people of standard of living also i can say like to identify a problem like agricultural based problem or things which goes which which is a necessity which is our necessity and identifying those problem i should also needs you to stay in those situation in those surrounding right if i if i come from a place where i've seen those problems with my own eyes then the innovation or then i guess my identification for those problem will be much faster but if i've lived in a, in a metro city like mumbai bangalore pune where i've just like faced it culture or where i've just like seen people innovating on like 10 years 15 years ahead of his time or we have we can see we have influenced many things from the western culture right like i'm living in india and mumbai but i'm influenced so much uh, towards the western culture because that's what i'm exposed right via digital social media or netflix amazon anything you can say that my problem association or my the way of thinking is also associated to what west is thinking but west is like 10 years ahead of its time they have already solved the basic problem like sanit- sanitation they have always solved Correct. the water problem Correct. which we have right now which we need to focus on right now but it's also identification as you com- as you exactly said that we are not identifying those problem which we actually as indians need to have solutions for in the first place yeah, then and and somehow these things don't come to the mainstream like for example if you if you look at the indian startup scene uh, and many of my colleagues uh, you know are actually pretty uh, uh, baffled by it that you know we should we should invest in india if you really look at it the, the startup scene in india is not meant to solve problems which affect majority of indian population the startups in india really right now majorly cater to the the urban class crowd like i am talking metropolitans and tier 1 cities yeah 
go to a farm like oh why even a farm you know drive out 30 kilometers outside mumbai you'll find places who don't even have an internet connection yeah it's a very very huge despite uh, of geo despite yeah. of geo despite of digital india all those even things, education even education exactly even education even education and so i think that i think an approach to those problems is something that 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 maybe we have collectively not empowered and this again then you know goes back to uh, goes back to personal levels as well i think and that that you know where this 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 thought of discussion started from that is that is eventually what creeps in into into uh, into corporate as well Mm-hmm. if if your boss doesn't think that he deserves a holiday on his son's birthday he's obviously not going to let you take a holiday if you want to do a trek somewhere outside mumbai that's the way it is and that's the way indian corporate runs and that you know that creeps in to to what i wanted to say was my third point there are differences between indian corporate and american corporate um, the problem of perception here almost anything is not perception driven what i mean by that is i literally don't care right now what my colleagues think about me <laughs> as a person they definitely i absolutely care about what they think of me as a professional of what they think of me as how my work affect theirs and would they want to work with me my camaraderie i i absolutely do care about that but i don't care about the fact that you know where do i live whether i pick up their call at 6 pm or not what do i do why do i take a vacation nobody cares you don't feel it yeah it, 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 it's it's just part of your life i mean everyone knows that everyone have been brought up that way that it's just part of my life that i need this correct it's not even obliged nobody will ask you that question in the first place yeah i have found you know what i have found actually myself to not take holiday even if i need to initially you know it's been like one year for me more than one year for this company and initially i was like i'm not talking from a personal standpoint but i'm talking from a personal mentality or mindset standpoint which we usually have which i've seen most of the indians who are here or also back in back home that uh, you know we also don't ask for it because we think that we are already been i would say like we are already been given a job we are already been working for this company you don't feel Correct. right inside that okay you know what i'm going to take a holiday for what reason because i have worked too much and over the period of time i have realized that how important that particular thing is like you need to take a break you need to step away uh, but, but you know like i found myself yeah i found myself asking myself that you know do you need to take a holiday do you is it required like you know those kind of question but it's actually necessary sometimes because it's always yeah, it being busy it's not being productive it's always you're busy busy you're working more hours doesn't mean you are being productive but uh... yeah and i mean there are there are you know i i have struggled with these these questions myself as well and and if you are a type a person you will definitely come across this problem in in your starting years that you will just feel too happy about the fact that you know your calendar is fully blocked um but but i think it's important to realize that that life takes time to happen and i think warren buffett says it perfectly that you know being rich is is not genius work it is not talent it's just time mm-hmm. um and the, the the important thing to realize and and this is something that that we are which i think the indian mindset critically lacks you know somebody in my in my linkedin network uh, wrote a couple of days back 
uh, uh, as a post that you know if you come across a child in india um, uh, the child never talks about you know what movie he has been watching or what games he has been playing he'll immediately tell you what he is studying in school or what field he has decided to go into hmm. and that's just so sad yeah and i remember doing that as a kid myself that you know there are so many and which is why we don't think about this for for any rafael nadal or or roger federer to happen you need first a mindset and you need the parents who would say that okay you know don't go to school today if you want to play tennis go play tennis yeah how will you ever find out that you have the capacity to become a roger federer if you don't if you're not allowed to go in that court in the first place exactly um, and and i think that that is something that is something that definitely needs to be learned uh, from the west i think there are a lot of things that need to be learned from from the culture here it, it's like nurturing right i mean nurturing a particular talent or even identifying over the period of time okay you know you can do this better than people around you you know it, it's it's like we we have we have so immediate result oriented decisions like okay you know what uh you want to see you're good at this go give an exam about this if you score above this particular marks you are better than the rest of the people it's not like that with right. all the situation right as you said like if for a person right. to realize that okay he or she can be a roger federer that person needs a particular at least a time of 2 years 2 3 years to identify okay you know what i have grown as a player i can do this even more further ahead and i can be better it's right. about a mindset exactly it's not about a talent what you perfectly said but uh, but yeah i mean you, now with the new education policy that the new education nep it is mm-hmm. you can take a gap year it it's fine to take a gap year but i just feel like do it's there are so many people around that how will you justify if you let's say if you after 2 3 years you realize okay you are not good at it you're not better than rest of the people at it i mean it's fine that you can switch careers i've seen people i've seen my friends here at states uh taking one major at one semester and completely shifting to a completely other side of the spectrum a major which mm-hmm. is which was not related to the first semester but they are the most i guess and they are not the people who are very irrational they are the most rational people i've met that decisions have a reason justification behind it or why they are doing this and i'm i was shocked i was like okay how can you do this back in india you never thought about it like you know started with one engineering you have to finish it <laughs> that's what your uh, this thing is but but yeah i mean it takes it takes time to even realize yourself that what you're good at hmm. it absolutely does and i think with the new education policy it will be years till that policy actually starts manifesting what it is meant to yeah exactly you you have been i remember that you know my first uh, i want to talk little bit about you know blockchain specifically but let's go back little bit i remember like it was i guess 2015 as well uh, my first uh, encounter with i would say alternative coins or digital currency was like mm-hmm. you you know like 91 springboard in bandra it's a go working space so they had a talk uh, about blockchain and it was very very early i guess 2013 2014 i would say and blockchain was just like rising up people might have heard couple of news about it and i and sumit which is which was my former co-founder we went and we heard the talk about you know what is you know the bitcoin is the next big thing you know altcoins are the next big thing and that was my first you know introduction to blockchain and a blockchain has a technology also and but primarily i would say digital coins that was you know you get attracted towards it but when i met you when i spoke to you i guess i exactly remember you already were managing investment portfolios 
I guess we also spoke about finance. I remember asking you very dumb question that how do you maintain simple accounting? <laughs> I remember, but I mean, we were, yeah, I was like, okay, how do you use Excel? Because it was 2014 and we didn't have any kind of a, you know, tracking system to manage our expenses. And I remember asking you and you said, okay, you, you were already into, in, you know, managing portfolios. You were already into investment, I would say, finance, particularly a personal finance. How did that happen? Right. No, I mean, look, there was, there was, I think you were referring back to when I used to do uh, the Mint Money workshop as I called oh, yeah. it back then. Yes. yes. Um, there was nothing transition per se. I, I mean, look, if, if you're from a, if you're decently ambitious and if you're from a middle class family, um, uh, you would uh, obviously want to make money. Now, one big turning factor for me was when I was 15, my first startup, uh, it was called Eisenberg Solutions at the point. It was nothing really much more than, you know, uh, a couple of my friends and me trying to do something about the education system in our country. We had our own science magazines and it was it was a catered offering uh, meant, for, uh, meant for people and kids who love science. So when that started yielding money, obviously the thoughts of, uh, you know, when you're 15, you crazily think about, uh, hey, I want to become the next big thing you and you want to enable a better life for yourself so uh, that was the one turning factor where i really started paying my attention to stock to investment how money works um, um and all those stuff um by the time i think uh, and this this is back i'm talking 2010 by the time i was i did the mint money workshop i was already 2 3 years and i was managing my our, our family portfolio um, pretty well, uh, and you know, there, there is nothing. To, there's nothing here too much to my credit. I think the only thing that I did right was I paid attention to it, and I was disciplined about my learning effort and and my investing effort. The rest of it was uh, was the Indian bull market um, and Indian equities playing their magic. Yeah. Um, um, but but it, I I never thought of it as a as a career transition. Like I knew, like I knew, I don't want to work on Wall Street. Um, that was never the ambition. Like I, I would uh, hate it okay. if I have. It, it's it's just not something that I would love doing. Uh, when I consider it opposite to consulting, uh, investment banking is not for not for storytellers. Um, it's for people who who understand how momentum works. And and really, if you you know, if you think about it. I believe that making personal wealth is not really talent or it's not really genius. There's, it has nothing to do with it. Um, if you look at, you know, there's a good movie called The Founder. It, it, they coined it pretty well. All you need is persistence. About, yeah. yeah. Uh, all you need is persistence. Because there are too many un, you know, talented people who are not successful and there are too many genius people um, uh, who don't really do anything. Um, I think it's the same about personal wealth. You, you've got to be informed, you have to keep your ears open, and you have to be continuously persistent about what you're doing, uh, at least paying attention to what's happening in the markets. And I think the time that we are currently living in is pretty crazy, if you think of it from that perspective, mm -hmm. because the markets are at an all-time high, Robinhood traders are at an all-time high, um, people are investing like crazy, a um, lot of money being pumped in, um, also validates the case for you know, cryptocurrencies or alternative coins. But I think that was, surprising. that was a surprising, you know, the stock market wasn't affected by the pandemic here. I was like, well, what is happening? You know, 
it doesn't show a linear uh graph <laughs> i would say okay this this doesn't make any sense you know that, i guess that's, that's no actually if you no if you think of it it actually makes perfect sense hmm and i would argue for that case uh, you know it makes perfect sense like i'm not talking in a positive tone here it makes perfect sense because um the stock markets in the west have have uh, always exhibited the the notoriety for this kind of for this kind of ludicrity 2008 2000 uh, or the dot com um, in 2000 this has happened ever and ever again See, the problem of the west i think is these guys never learn the the harms of cheap credit hmm. ronald reagan was the first guy who came with reaganomics and he was the one who pioneered this idea that if i want to uplift the poor and this is a very you know a right wing thought if yeah. i want to uplift the poor what i got to do is i got to give them money okay and how do i do that i decrease interest rates and that's how you feel growth and later obviously the the benefits of this were again kind of uh, you know equivocated when when um uh, john manuel keynes uh, came up with came up with his theories or keynesian economics which talks about you know government should spend more to uplift the poor and that's what then fdr did through his new deal the problem is these guys never realized that credit is actually harmful and what you're seeing right now happening in the markets is just this unpropelled growth because of cheap money being being put into the market now are there advantages to it absolutely there are uh, but are there harms to it most certainly you have a federal reserve that is pumping its balance sheet from 3 trillion a couple of months back to now 7 trillion uh, that's more than double in 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 i don't know how less of a time which has been what 6 months february february march february march um, so i think that but but coming to you know coming to my what i was originally saying my my start in that that uh, feel was, was primarily because of uh, you know attention to personal finances and trying to enable a better life for yourself when i think it significantly did pay off and i hope it will continue to pay off further too yeah i mean that was also cre- that also creates a gap between you know i have seen because i also had this such kind of questions when i was you know younger and i had like couple of questions from my friends also that you know that creates a huge kind of a gap which which i guess most of the people think personal finance or investment you know stock market as a very very or not say risky is the right word but very unknown area you know but it is not i would say it is not that's what my realization is over the period of time like once you enter into this particular space it is just as you said like consistent and observation that that's what it is it's nothing more than that i mean obviously it's risky it's, it's risky if you go but you 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 have to set your own boundaries but it's not out unknown if you if you pay attention to i would say if you are not hasty enough or if you're not greedy enough to make a shit ton of money very soon and if you are someone who knows what your risks are i think it is a pretty easy game hmm Uh, you know which is why I, i have a lot of friends who who you know say that you know i have started trading options um i'm like okay great and and then the question comes uh, uh, well are, do you do this kind of stuff and my answer is absolutely no um not my place to do it and then people go why so the logic is very simple you were it's not an instrument meant for the common man 
and you are a common man you know i i love it when people think that they can beat the market uh, or they can beat the s&p mm-hmm. uh, only a handful few can do it and 99.9% of the time the people who do it are in that profession they are hedge fund managers they are portfolio managers they are investment bankers if you are that person chances are that you you may be understand the dynamics to that extent that you may be able to beat the market but for a common man the real secret to making a lot of long term money is just to understand when are things completely crazy right now is a time when you would clearly identify that things are completely crazy right now um and secondly to have a persistence to consistently invest and change your plan um as per how the conditions change being observant enough and being alert enough to to have that wisdom of saying that okay i need to change um, my my plan maybe i need to do more of debt investment or maybe i need to do more of equity investment i don't think it is pretty complicated complicated than that people try to make it more complicated but in reality it is actually not um, nice. like for example this this options example that i gave you it's completely ludicrous for a common man to even dabble in that area linkedin is actually thriving on options trading linkedin is actually right now sorry to interrupt is is thriving on options i have received at least like five email messages on linkedin for forex trading i'm like what is happening the people who were you know pyramid scheme it's absolutely stupid it's exactly i mean the what, what was pyramid scheme back in 2015 is now forex trading in 2020 that's what i see absolutely and and you'll see uh, so much of harm inflicted upon common people uh, you know people having uh, you know the, the us middle class because of because of you know all craziness that that ads like not just robin hood but you know cheap brokerage and cheap online trading has, has kind of uh, motivated um, but yeah i i think i think it's it's it's, it's not that difficult um more than that i i had uh, uh, you know one of my dear friends he now runs uh, secret capital i used to work for him when when i was in 2013 in my in my first year in in engineering i used to work as a portfolio intern analyst um you know you got to think what does your money facilitate for you and that's something that that we don't really think about what is money supposed to facilitate for me and you got to have your personal finances aligned for your money to facilitate those goals or those real cherishing things that you have it's absolutely stupid to say that no 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 i'll save money because i have to make wealth one day i personally think you will never be wealthy enough by saving you know drops and drops of saving will make you a lake a pond but it will never create the pacific ocean for you the only recipe to creating a pacific ocean is do your career well drive your ambitions and wealth follows i mean the wealth has to be an outcome of what you do in life and not the primary goal exactly but uh, um, uh, a lot of people get into personal finance just thinking that you know personal finance can make them super wealthy no it doesn't you, you cannot have dependency on it. it it's a parallel side of an income i would say it's an outcome exactly you can you can never have a dependency completely on it you can never and and because we were talking about cryptocurrencies that is one area where you should never look at it as as an investment thing i have dabbled a lot into cryptocurrencies myself and and with huge amounts um, and what i've learned is you got to have you got to know what you are playing with and you got to know what you are exactly doing many people i think fail at that first instance 
No, no, I have also personally been a victim of it. I mean, it was 2015 where early exits were <laughs> like, you know, like uh, Bitcoin right. and everything was rising. I remember me and my friend, we just bought like 15K of, it was all like the first company money, the 10 what we earned from it. <laughs> I just like uh, bought, I guess, TRX and a couple of Ripples. And uh, not a couple of Ripples, but I don't know exactly the amount for it. And, you know, some 0.2 right. Bitcoin. And yeah, I don't know where the key is now. <laughs> So I, I just like uh, I was just speaking about it with one of my friend, and I just said, "Dude, I, you know, what, you know what, what majority people this. don't realize." Yeah, it was it was very very impulsive, but I would say it was it what was majority people don't realize. Exactly, I, I'm glad that it this happened early stage of my life, so that now I know. Okay, you know what? This is not a very rational decision I will be making. It is an impulsive decision. Basically, even to separate these two decision, okay, like people are investing, people are investing. Even with Tesla now, like everyone I see, everyone I meet, it's like, you, did you buy Tesla stock? I'm like, okay. I mean, I understand it. They had a growth, but it's not something that you have to do it as a necessity. It's fine. It's not it's the the fact that on Friday uh, Tesla plunged about six to seven percent is a clear indicator of the fact that how much froth is really there in the market. Mm-hmm. um and you know more than that you know when it comes to cryptocurrencies what people don't realize is right now at ey i work with people who are crypto millionaires like i literally yeah. work with people these are because you know we are the blockchain group we are filled with a couple of enthusiastic people who really believe in the potential of this technology and who exist there um like all of these these uh, uh, you know handful crypto millionaires that i know they do that job because they love to do it they have no necessities of doing it like you know the the traditional bread and butter necessity doesn't exist in their life yeah. but what people don't understand is is hardly any of the crypto crypto millionaires are millionaires because they wanted to be these yeah. guys have bought bitcoins when bitcoin was in cents like in couple of points of cents and they never did it with the intention of you know actually becoming wealthy Yeah. it was just technological pure nerdy explorism for them exactly i mean even if it, even if it depends is on it like you will be constantly checking your app like it's a survival based on that you cannot have it and you will make a impulsive decision once in a while you cannot say a person who is like okay you know what i invested all my money into this particular cryptocurrency and okay five years later i am a millionaire i have never seen a person you know saying that to me or never actually read about it so Yeah, what you said is exactly correct. Like those are the people you, who are. You got to. It's something that you got to have in your own control. And I'll tell you my personal story. When I was uh, uh, in the in the Bitcoin surge of 2016 and 17, um, I used to manage my family portfolio, which which is why I I never you know got the time to to look at my own personal finances because I used to just consider everything as one. um and and that was the point when you know i was just in college so so our family portfolio was the most that mattered to me i told my dad that look i haven't gotten the, the time to do anything for me um and this is this is 2017 i, I was working with eva india at that point um my simple logic to him was look i'm going to take out some money from you uh, from your portfolio on loan um i think i have um, i have uh, i have a means of of, of generating returns um I assure you one thing that I'll give you everything that you have given me till the last cent, okay? Um, with zero return. I'm not going to give you any return on this. I just need to, the money passed with me for some days. Yeah. And I invested it completely into into Bitcoin and Ethers. 
what i used to do is is uh, a, a a genuine attempt at replicating in a very noise way what is called as high frequency trading um and i used to do it at my own personal expense i used to do it the the only reason so what i did was i did it during those surge during that bull surge where the market used you know the bitcoin value used to fluctuate 25% on a daily basis yes um did that made so much of return that i think i could have made through all other you know non bitcoin or non crypto investments in the market in one year and then happily got out of it hmm. were there chances to make a ton of money after that obviously there were and i politely did reject it uh, my only objective was i want to make up for my lost time the time that i have lost or the attention that i have lost that i haven't paid to my personal finances i just want to make that much and get out what i've noticed is when you don't let the price control your motivation chances are that you won't get burned yeah the price or the trend or the momentum can never be the reason why you are doing something and this this applies to anything it is you know a lot of uh, a lot of my friends who, who who come to the us and a lot of the people who who also you know approach on linkedin and stuff like that i also tell them that just because data and data analytics is in a surge right now just because people are getting employed by uh, amazon left and right that doesn't mean you have to do that if you thinking it that way chances are in 4 or 5 years you will completely burn out yeah and then you have no clue of why you are doing what you are doing exactly it's like it's like it's very impulsive that to get a job you have to do this but do you like it do you love it this is completely out of your background but but what i was saying is that what what you did based on your experience you know uh taking money from a father and you know like okay promising him to give him the money back what you got from him what people saw what people might see is that you got rich your investment was good that's not the case what you did is that you learned about money <laughs> you know i i remember this perfectly links me to the robert kiyosaki example you know is that poor dad which says that we don't know how to play with money not play with money but i would, I would say making decisions with money for example if you see our entire childhood that standard typical indian childhood i would say that i was always given the thing which i want never the money to buy it you know if i if i go to my parents and if i say okay you know what and anyone i was as far as people i know back back home that if you want something uh you ask for it and you will get the thing you never got the money you know so you you don't make the decision yourself like if you get like 20 rupees and you have to buy three things you know okay what things to buy but if you just ask for three things you will get the three things but the learning is not there i think a lot of people yes do miss on do miss out on that and i think that kind of exploration is very very essential if you want to do anything with personal finance but yeah i mean it's, it's it was it was more of a learning in that sense that once you have the money you you have you can make the decisions which you want and basically make a wrong decision and learn from it but if you directly get the thing what you wanted there is no process of decision making it's completely separated out and that also i see here people like if you graduate people here in their undergraduate when they are like 18 19 years they do some part time job they start earning money they have money in their own hands their their own money and they start making decisions like okay this is something i want i need to work for it so you know those kind of uh, processes not involved back home so it's yeah. not it's not you're yeah. right about that oh so so what do you do like basically in blockchain like uh, what is your regular day look like as a you know working with eva <laughs> uh, 
uh okay so what my regular day looks like i'm uh, i'm a consultant so uh my job um involves um helping organizations adopt blockchain so that they can you know implement their business processes in a better way and ultimately start thinking of new models of doing business or new ways of operating your business and um, that is a blockchain technology in each and every industry you're talking about like it's retail blockchain, yes absolutely absolutely across the entire north american market that's the region that i oversee so my my daily job is is driving our sales teams um driving our operations um driving some of the projects that we do um and some of the inter- internal initiatives that we need you see evi and any big four or any consulting organization of, of that size like in cpain it it's a it's a network of partners uh, each partner has his own book so the way of looking at evi is yes it's one company the way to look at evi is is you know uh, it's really you have multiple partners um uh, and these partners own their own books so evi yes it is one one firm but but ultimately it's every individual partner driving its own its own business unit so a lot of a lot of my job also revolves around how do you you know navigate um your um, your internal processes in order to get the work done that you need to get done like there there's the external facing or or the building or selling and building aspect of it and there's a lot of aspect of uh, you know you got to talk to a number of people daily daily in order to get your business done for you uh, so there's a lot of uh, you know on a daily basis a lot of people management or or i call it fire management uh, that's what it really is there's there's a new fire to be extinguished every day um but yeah it's, it's it's pretty exciting you get to see how you can transform businesses across multiple sectors by using this really innovative technology called blockchain i see i mean but are people receptive to this completely i guess robust technology i, I mean i know it has uh, so i've heard about blockchain and supply chain transparency i've heard about chain in consumer products you know uh logistics to be some precise but my my regular day job is like in working with com- people from young businesses con- in consumer product space and when we talk about a very you know even a new technology like a system which is salesforce or anything they become very mm-hmm. receptive very very i use not receptive but very very uh you know scared about it okay should we do it should we not should we do it should we not uh what do you think what, at what stage the blockchain is at right now no i think the uh, if you look at blockchain in the enterprise and blockchain in business i think you are still in the wild wild west days of it um you are at the very inception so if i have to give you an internet analogy you are you are in the arpanet days of the internet see i mean if you think about it blockchain is not really complicated all it does is right now if you go to a bank um and you know if you transfer 100 dollars to me what does the bank do the bank has a rule set what does that rule set say the rule set says that you have to transact this uh, money from this account needs to go into that account but what it actually means is you know it's a minus 100 dollar ledger entry for you and plus 100 dollar ledger entry for me and bank is kind of the custodian of this rule set or the custodian of this rule of this mechanism uh, to ensure that things happen the way they happen so the moment you hit transfer it's the bank's bank's algorithm that takes care of this rule that yes 100 will be deducted from here you see a 
hundred dollar deduction, and I will yeah. see a hundred dollar interest. Kind of creating like a centralized network, I would say, with bank as a centralized entity verifying on the both ends or maintaining records, you can say. Correct, correct. So bank operates the network. Bank also uh, helps you guard that rule. See, the network comes later. I mean, the network is just a way of enabling it. Mm-hmm. but the rule is what is important you what you're basically doing is you're transacting value on the basis of the officer of the rule now you need people like banks because somebody has to guard that rule somebody has to ensure that yes actually minus 100 and plus 100 happens what blockchain does is it takes away the need of anybody to guard the rule in the first place because the technology by itself ensures that any rule you write will be implemented and will be followed Yeah. that's what it really is on a real philosophical level and what this starts meaning to the enterprises tomorrow if 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 procter and gamble gives 100 diapers to walmart it actually means that yes the sap system or the oracle system within procter and gamble will show a 100 you know unit decrease and the sap or oracle within uh, within walmart will show a 100 dollar increase or a 100 unit increase sorry um and this rule and the, the fact that this transfer exactly happens in this way is what blockchain will do and what blockchain is supposed to do now are enterprises receptive obviously they are if you see what has happened because of covid and the the inefficiencies the fallacies the blind spots in supply chains that covid has has kind of brought to light it's it's obvious to enterprises in the fortune 500 these days that you know blockchain is something that is critical to solving the problem but if you look at how internet grew or if you look at how um, cloud grew um, cloud was cloud as a technology was really invented in the mainstream in about 2007 but if you look only now is when like in 2018s and 19s would you see that majority of companies actually shifted their their enterprise software to the cloud workload yeah it has taken 10 years for for people to actually realize that hey this is actually working and if i don't implement this i'm kind of going to fall out of the run so you are in those days of blockchain you are you are in the arponet days um, everybody wants to hear about it there are early adopters who want to implement it yeah and this is the early adopters that really drive the curve ahead hmm. so i i would say that we are doing perfectly fine if not anything um uh the pandemic is is going to create a lot of traction in the space yes. um for organizations to really think about it and even even for governments to really think about it yeah i mean cloud is also like as you as you said like it it took like 10 years and it, cloud is more i would say it's a collaborative kind of a way it's a blue whale blue whale theory you know like have you if you if you have heard about it right yeah it's it's more the people join it the more the network grows the more same goes with the blockchain. advantages of the system comes into place i guess that is also that is what also you mean by blockchain when it comes to i never saw it absolutely correlation but yeah it makes sense because it's a network at the end right the more the people join and the more the validation the more the absolutely but absolutely uh, and and the, the way to think about software i think you know the day microsoft bought github hmm. that was the day it was pretty clear to everyone who were listening that making monopolistic software is going to be impossible in the long run um a big software just doesn't operate in that way anymore it's very it's very i mean i would say it takes time to change i mean even in a big organization if you see i mean even for me i would say a particular software implementation and then to change it all ahead it's a it's a headache i mean 
you can't you can't do it in a day span or not just that not just that but these days i mean the supply chains of the future are going to want consumers of the future are going yeah. to want much more clarity and visibility into the supply chain exactly um and that blockchain is a great way of enabling all of those things because the it, it's a trust automator mm-hmm. so to say it's a good word uh, it this allows is a, this is a very good word which you use trust automator Uh, yeah, I'm a consultant. I, I, I'm pretty good with <laughs> very quick five words. I mean, trust is always associated with humans, but I like you used uh, with technology. Trust automate. You know, you automate trust. That Correct. Is, that is so beautiful. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, the, the the potential here is is really wild. What what it really what the technology really allows you to do is for a group of people or for a group of organizations to write their own rule set and exchange value as per that rule set. That's what Bitcoin does, right? Yeah. I mean, as a part of a Bitcoin user, you have transcribed or or, or you have subscribed, sorry, to a community that that says that hey, we are going to exchange value in these terms, and these are the rules that we are going to abide by. That's what you're really doing. Now, this this trust keeping or or the custodianship of trust is what your bank does for you in the monetary system. Um, in blockchain, just tries to take that away. So that need, uh, do you do you feel that I mean, if you if you talk about creating such decentralized network and eliminating the need of centralized institutions, I will come back right. again to the educational institution also. But I want to specifically speak about financial institution. Will the you know the mindset, the capitalist mindset of the bank of the control which bank has right now, the transparency over people's finances which the bank has right now, which is already most of the banks which you see, excluding the private ones. a link to the government also will want to you know create something or won't won't create any kind of an hindrance in such kind of a thing well i think um, i think the idea of decentralized uh, exchanges of value is so far ahead now that central banks can't do anything to stop it i see this so is collaboration for them also see the change that has happened see the change that has happened um from 2000 2015 was when ethereum was launched hmm. uh, 2016 uh, uh, sorry 2017 the sec had no clue about what bitcoin is and how bitcoin exactly works had no clue about ether had no clue about anything absolutely 2020 if you look at what happened in the recent monetary policy uh, 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 the committee meeting uh, uh, you see now fed has completely its stance is changing day by day and there are a couple of things that are driving it they firstly clearly understand that you know you got to get ahead of, ahead of the trend in order to control it not fall behind it and that is what they have realized lately yes. it's a late realization that they have had things have already run pretty afar bitcoin's market value is far more than what they can seem to control now that's one secondly they have realized that it's not just bitcoin that is going to you know earlier it was it was just the bitcoin bitcoin yeah um, that was the primary store of value now you have the chinese government saying that we are going to digitalize china's national currency it's kind of a technology now it's and kind of a looking at from a blockchain perspective and put it, the bitcoin correct yes. and put it on the blockchain yeah no it is no you 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 don't need a, a college degree to say that if china does it the us will have to follow suit because you you otherwise you can't exist tomorrow if you have chinese companies if you have the china's national petroleum grid 
doing his business on the blockchain doing you know transacting digital coins there's nothing you can really do about it or or even with chinese manufacturers the south eastern economy will follow through like if you've seen over the years what has happened is the southeast asian agendas have been really fueled by china the reason you see so many so much of digitalized growth in singapore has to do with the fact that china did it in the first place there are a lot of bilateral ties in that region and that's how these things get influenced so i think it is it is run pretty afar and if you see what's happening with the dollar right now the the insane surge through it you know if you look at what fed has done right now fed has literally exhausted its arsenal hmm think about it this way if a, if a vaccine is found the right now the market is completely full of shit yeah it's complete nonsense money that has flown into the market everybody knows every if, if if you if you followed what what has happened you had march and april uh, where every bank was saying that hey uh, you know we have we have literally downturn predictions every company which was coming on a earnings call was saying that we are redacting everything that we have said before for this quarter um, th- we are not forecasting anything yeah. okay and you had all goldmans and you know goldmans and bofas and everybody was saying that no 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 we are looking at a complete downturn right now ha huh, i see it's, it came game, very late all of this game yeah all of this financial institution game is really about expectations management and fear of missing out right now you will see after the second quarter earning call every bank has started saying that no no we have a good lookout on the s&p for the for the year end how did that happen well somebody started saying that no shit is going up and then every bank follows suit and then every company starts following suit the entire market is fueled on the basis of you know free cash floating in now the problem that happens when you have tremendously powerful centralized authorities like the fed is that now if a vaccine is discovered and now when you know that the world will shift back to a new normal but still regardless of normal and if the markets crash just because of the fact that everybody will pull out their money book their profit because everyone knows that things are completely hypervaluated right now if the market crashes the fed has nothing in its power to actually fuel or or stimulate the market again or to stimulate the economy again because you already exhausted it yeah you're literally at a zero rate right now how much lower can you go the only other choice is do what 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 sweden did uh, or, or what sweden did with the swiss franc make it negative <laughs> but that has huge problems uh, you know inflation related problems by itself it's so, a two sided sword yeah time and again it has been proven that centralized authorities with too much of power and fed is a great example of this there, there are there are many other banks as well um, the european central bank is no uh, lesser mess but time and again it has been proven that that centralized monetary authorities create huge load of problems makes sense yep uh so you are, you are a democratic or republican <laughs> direct question i would say <laughs> i want to talk uh, about it but i would say this question comes out when it is very direct <laughs> what do you think i am um, asking from a very economical point of view <laughs> i mean it's, i, 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 I not, hope i am not putting you on a pressure it's fine if you don't want to answer it but you can you can talk about economics no no i will i will no no i will i will obviously answer it um uh, first of all i am not entitled to have an opinion being you know not, not being a citizen but but i would say this i think what is critically needed um you know the biggest problem about donald trump being president is how i see it 
the problem about donald trump being president is that now every dumb kid in america can think <laughs> that he can become a president or she can become a president hmm. that is the biggest problem of it you can't you can't ridicule the office of the president and it is not just the us president i feel that you know this entire idea of a nation has to be in an authoritarian manner yes the the, the government needs to have authority it's stupid to say that government shouldn't have authority if government don't have authority why do you have them in the first place exactly start living as nomads If but that's that's, a, that, that's also my problem with democracy in general i i don't feel so democracy can a democracy is decisive you know democracy i i feel like it's very very democracy is very vague to me i don't know i don't understand democracy i feel like democracy doesn't gives you power it just it just puts you more uh, pressure you know it's completely different topic yeah, I mean, uh, democracy no i i feel democracy is an organized mess <laughs> Uh, way to put it it's a consulting word the consulting word let's say but it, yeah <laughs> it's an organized mess um, uh, and india is a great example of it but i think what you're seeing now in in the indian you know in the indian government structure is you you see traits of dictatorship within within an organized democracy and that's that's to some extent i think similar to the us as well is because you have somebody of pretty strong opinions sitting in the chair he shouldn't be sitting in and i would say this applies to both countries and again this is a personal opinion it it's not much more the question of you know whether you're uh, whether you follow right wing agendas or, or you're a proponent yeah those those are very agenda. yeah it's a very great topic i i mean I think, pretty, yeah now there are some people who say that a, that a leader need not be ethically right he may be economically right he may be uh, you know right on the terms of law and order but with trump i just feel you right now i think what american people need to be thinking is maybe are you on the side of decency republican or democrat the president needs to be decent mm-hmm. decency needs to be a basic expectation of the office and again not 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 our place to say it but i think what needs to happen is you know us many people say the us has been uh, you know they they kind of took the role of being an international watchdog um i would say that with that uh, i think one of the one of the most intelligent things us did after the second world war is that they convinced the entire world that the dollar is the source of wealth and not gold Hmm. they made the world believe that dollar needs to be your your treasure of wealth and it, it completely right so because they were uh, uh, to they were the only economy that was in a decent shape after the second world war wasn't affected by world war 2 exactly it was it was affected i would say it was in a decent shape um now that has come with its own pros and cons i mean the, the people on the con side say that you know all of the walls in the middle east are a, are a, uh, you know a, a, a thing that that america self propelled and then tried to self curtail um but there are many other positive things that came with it as well um eradication of mass poverty eradication of diseases from the world is something that america has played a good role with if you look at what's happening now is america being in the position that it is it's harmful for for a totally right wing 
person and that too i would say it would have been far better like i would have far better liked like the question would have been far more difficult to answer if it would have been any other person than than the current president uh to be in the office because then it becomes a, a question of uh, you know a question of um theories of, of political theories and economical theories um and theories of social justice right now the question is of decency hmm it's a completely different that, topic where economy doesn't even come in the first place i mean the first part is you are saying like decency the answer i think i think it's stupid i think it's stupid for i know some people i know my friends of wall street who say that trump will be good for the wall street trump will be good for merited immigration i've heard that too merited based right. immigration yeah i think it's stupid for anyone to say that and that again is my personal opinion because you can you can do nothing with money if you don't have social peace if you don't have social righteousness look at what happened to gaddafi shit ton of money i don't know how much of money that guy i i don't know if anybody counted it right in the first place he had that much of money what happened an entire nation into crisis money itself doesn't have any value if you don't have a proper society to utilize that money in personally and for the society as well it, it, you know that that's what they always say about gdp that the, the gdp in itself is a very very flawed measure and it truly is under uh, under trump if if gdp has shown potential i don't think anything good can happen with it anyway mm-hmm. because everything else has gone pretty much far south yeah but where you where, where are you inclined towards when it comes to running a country you are inclined towards democracy you are inclined towards a capitalist kind of a mindset you are inclined towards i would not say communist communism but it's too extreme but where do you see where do you place yourself i would think i i would i would place myself to the side of to the side of democracy and i don't at all think that democracy is a capitalism any better Mm-hmm. Um, i mean i truly feel as a person that you cannot have you cannot have greater long term good for everyone unless and until you ensure that capitalism is equally distributed but can you have equal long term good for everyone is it possible is it even possible to think about everyone that's that's what that that i mean i also agree to what you said perfectly completely agree but that, that this is one question where i'm like okay can you be you know decisive decisive when it comes to you know making uh, tough decisions where you think when you start thinking about everyone and anyone because there won't be a place even in the long term where what looks good on a holistic perspective might do injustice to people who are might do injustice to some group of people presently but when you think about long term it will do better good so that is a question where i'm always stuck at okay you know what i agree with democracy this thing this thing makes sense to me in my mind but uh will it will it will it just like longer the process yeah you you've got to accept that in a democracy everyone loses something mm-hmm. everyone has to lose something in order to gain the better things that you really want to i see i think the job of a good democracy and i think i think uh, in ways there have been presidents in america who have played the job very well obama is a great example he's he's a great example in many other things but but the one thing that i think is uh, or even there have been leaders in india who have been great examples of this um and in many other countries as well uh, uh, if you look at uh, you know if i have to give you examples of the uk thatcher is an ex- excellent example 
Atal Bihari Vajpayee in India is an excellent example. They as leaders always ensure that, you know, yes, it is still an organized mess. Yes, it is not perfect. But everyone is happy with at least something. I see. There, there, there have got to be compromises, for sure, on everyone's part. So for the ultra-rich, the compromise might be in taxes. For the uh, for the poor, the compromise might be in in terms of immigration. But you you still function as an organized base where everybody is just happy about something. The alternate, I think, creates a lot of problems because gone are those days where where you can just you know interest one person to be morally right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Morals are different to different people. But like for example, uh, you and me, we've all taught the all been taught the story of uh, Chhatrapati Shivaji. Do you have leaders like those days? It's very difficult for any one person to implement, you know, uh, uh, a righteous rule like that. I think that's that that's unrealistic expectations. Yeah. But what I think the office of the controller of democracy in the U.S. case, the president, India's case, the prime minister. as at least got to ensure that everybody is looked after in some way or the other you can't obviously keep everyone happy that's not your job makes sense makes sense what 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 is your next uh, plan any any side projects you are working on anything you are doing to keep yourself sane in this pandemic i would say <laughs> well uh, a couple of things uh, i think uh, uh, At least in corporate America, the answer everybody would give you these days is, uh, "Be thankful you have a job," uh, because uh, the way things are are moving right now, I think I think we've got to stay buckled for um, for uh, the next couple of days. But as as you know, as, as somebody, the work is always exciting. I think uh, I think I spoke a lot about it on how definitely yeah. you know, we really think the potential of blockchain is to to do some better things in the world. Um, um but but when it comes to i think i think on a personal level the one thing that that i have i've taken up is is uh, uh, hiking in in the appalachians um and us i think is is one of the best places i think i think america generally has a figured out middle class life <laughs> if you have a good job that pays you well or pays you even decently you can live a very good happy life here yeah. you can go out go out in the nature the nature is abundant here obviously less people too much of land um so pretty unadulterated nature uh, to be found out here so that's something that i do but the one thing that i do uh, very uh, uh, strongly these days is uh, everything that i learned at duke and from my personal struggles of finding a, a rightful career in this country um i try to pass that on so i generally have uh, calendly links open to uh, you know to 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 my weekends where i take a couple of hours out um to to just speak to people who are currently trying to find a job currently trying to figure out where their career is i i do did a couple of writing on linkedin as well that got got pretty good responses and from there in i've just um uh, that that's the one thing that i try to do uh, because i think in my limited space i can help maybe i can help for people who think that you know everything is lost and that oh shit what do i do now i think i can uh, be a Uh, be a helping hand at times if i can that's, that's the one thing i that i try to do 
completely completely makes sense yeah i mean we have been through i would not say completely with current pandemic but we have been through that particular life so we know that okay it's a phase it's a part of the process that you feel sometimes extremely yeah, I mean, what you're doing but uh, yeah i mean the only thing i the only thing i i keep on telling everyone is look it's got to be tough i mean nothing that easy is ever worth achieving yeah and you would you wouldn't want to put your effort into something that's that's not worth achieving and anything that easy is 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 definitely not um, but i think from the from what we face the 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 2020 batch definitely has monumental challenges um but but well i mean the 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 way i put it is this way if you do overcome it uh, anyway you shouldn't go down without fighting because i mean you know the, the way they say it in india agar hona hai to shaheed ho jao but if you're walking into a battle at least at least take your weapons with you yeah uh, but if you do live through and if you do emerge successful you have a story to tell to your entire grandchildren yes, that's what we live for to, to share exactly that's, that's what we live for exactly uh, i mean those who ask so, me what 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 are you going to pass on i always say that okay you're going to pass the stories because Tech technology is gonna change. What is applicable right now? What your skills are right now? After ten years or maybe even five years, it won't be. I would not say will be at the same level. You won't be at the same level. The only thing you can pass on is stories and experiences. So, yeah, makes it talking to fitness, right? Um, I saw that you are you did your couple of uh, complete fat loss regimen. Uh, that's really good. I mean, uh, I also mean I I started actually. You know what? I I wasn't initially two months. I didn't go outside my house pretty much because you know COVID started. I was working from home. Right. After two months, I played the first soccer match and I couldn't run. I was like twenty minutes into the game and I was like literally. Yeah. literally uh, I've had, I've had my fair share of uh, you know my love affairs with uh, with weight loss, but that's. That's another topic, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think this this country definitely has a lot to offer. Yeah, uh, in terms of outdoors, you know, outdoors. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Oh uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it, Mahir, from this episode. Uh, thank you, thank you. Any closing remarks which you want to say? Any closing remarks from this episode? No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is I think I think I've. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, uh, but uh, it it's really. Uh, good to talk about the topics that you absolutely love of um and, and more importantly to debate of it like this didn't feel like a like a podcast episode. this is just one random chat you know we we keep on having from time to time so uh, i think it's, it's it's totally good it's it's been a fantastic day to enjoy a vacation <laughs> um, i actually wanted to reach you out before i re- i just reached you out that okay i want to speak to you and i didn't have a topic in mind because we I don't know. I thought like it don't need to have a topic because we have spoken on multiple topics, and I want to just keep it open ended. No, I think we 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 both are similar in that way. That it's it's we are we are just trying to figure out some shit. Yes. Maybe as a part of do, who is doing it? that make ourselves happy and maybe make the world happy too. Yeah. So uh, I think it need it needn't have a topic. Uh, but yes, it's 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 been a fine pleasure. 
yep thank you so much thank you so much meer uh i'm sure a lot of this is going to get edited because no 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 like, it, it is it is unfiltered i i genuinely mean it it is unfiltered i i mean the only thing which i edit it out is is like any kind of external noise but i don't remember any uh-huh. episode where i need to you know cut off because those people who i've spoken to my my only thing is like i want to speak with people who can have a healthy discussion doesn't matter if you have like opposite uh-huh. points but if you have a healthy discussion um and and when you have someone who can have healthy discussions with you then i don't think so you need to edit and there are anyways very few people listening into this podcast <laughs> so, uh-huh. so it's not something i do to you know like okay you know what i need to make sure this get uploaded but this is something like a okay. project so yeah thanks thanks again man thank you so much for joining in amazing thank you that's it from episode 13th of kekat hope you guys had fun listening in hope you guys took some takeaway points from this particular episode uh, if you have any suggestion feedback you know where to reach me out uh, see you next time until then stay safe and keep tuning I think I have to say that was one of the things that was escalated and I enjoyed the experience and this is Kekat